Fireside Chats, a weekly show featuring conversations with thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and outdoor hospitality experts who share their insights to help your business succeed. Hosted by Brian Searle, the founder and CEO of Insider Perks, empowered by insights from Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of MC Fireside Chats for 2024. I'm outside because it's outdoor hospitality. The rest of these guys stayed inside for some reason, even though I'm, I'm outside, too. I'm on the pool deck, as you can see. Maybe. All right. But you're in Arizona. There's really no excuse for you not to be outside. I don't know where Sandy is. 55 degrees. Hey, but I'm actually in an RV. This isn't a background. This is my new RV that you see. Really? Yes. Are you in front of the kitchen? I am. Man, how do I make enough money to buy an RV? <laughs> you want to advertise, Sandy, on the show? I'm, oh, I'm, I'm very much loving it. This is my new Alliance 385FL, and it gives me a lot of space. I turned my dining area into an office, and I have a coffee bar behind me that my husband did for me, decorated it, stuff, and so that's the only thing I need right now. Office and coffee, right? I won't say out loud that I think you're spoiled, but I am. I totally am. It looks nice though. So welcome to the first episode of MC Fireside Chat. Super excited to be here. We're going to talk a little bit about research reports and things like that today. I am outside. I am having a glass of whiskey because I made a resolution. I made three resolutions. Mike saw on LinkedIn, but then I added one because I figured I got to have one resolution that I actually do. So my resolution is just to have a sip of whiskey on the show. Nice and easy. It's done. I accomplish it. And then the rest of 2024, man. Boy, one for one, 100% of my resolutions. It's going to be great. Well, you're one for four, technically. The other ones might be a little harder. <laughs> Let me have this, Mike. Let me have this, all right? Yeah, my apologies. But let's first talk about, like, how was everybody's holidays? Did we do anything interesting? You want to share? You don't have to share. I prepped for the North American Camping Outdoor Hospitality Survey, which we're launching this week. Yeah, it was great. No, actually, my holiday was fun which this, this time of year for us is always the busiest it's our run-up it's actually a lot of fun we're pretty excited what is the key takeaway from the report we won't tell anybody <laughs> i don't have it yet but you did it anyway okay. yeah we haven't started we, we actually gathered the data we're going to start this evening oh all right. very tightly how do i get an evening appointment with scott bear how do i get that report it takes a lot bring whiskey Whiskey. Bring yeah, bring that good whiskey and we'll talk. Sold. This is the I told you before the show. I don't think Mike was on here. This is Jefferson's Greg Emmer introduced me to this. He's from Camp Strategy works at Jeff Hoffman Consulting Group. And he told me about this at the conference in Branson, the Campground Nurse Expo. So I tried it. It's like whiskey that's aged in, on the sea. They keep it on ships. It's really interesting. But anyway, so Sandy, what did you do for the holidays? We travel. We left Washington State and went all the way down to Bakersfield and then east all the way to Georgia. Got to visit some really interesting campgrounds along the way, be in some really interesting weather and made it home last Thursday. Missed Christmas with my family for, for the first time ever. But intentionally, it sounds yes. Not necessarily intentionally, but we did. It was the weather was... Of, trying to slight your family, right? But you clearly planned the trip as well. The weather is what happened, honestly. Oh. We got into both of those, whatever they call atmospheric rivers, going south. We were being hit by a major storm. And then going east, we were hit by a storm. And towing a brand new 42-foot fifth wheel, we were not comfortable driving very fast. And we didn't want to drive after dark. It just took longer. We wanted to be safe. Makes sense. I'm sorry you missed Christmas with your family, but hopefully you made up with it a little bit. Yeah, we did. We did this weekend. Awesome. Good to hear. Mike, what did you do? Took some time off. The kids were home. Went for 
mountain bike rides, some hiking, some pickleball, a couple of escape rooms, museum of illusions, eat a lot, and did a little bit of work on the side. But that's, don't tell anybody that either. <laughs> I worked the whole time. Yeah. Of course, you have to. It was a great, a great week. Weather was pretty nice here. So it was, it was quite enjoyable. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. Yeah. Like, I, no, I, like, I find that the week, usually it starts earlier, but the week preceding Christmas and the week during Christmas there, New Year's, is like the quietest week. So I can welcome out and get a lot of work done. But I like it. Like, we spent Christmas Eve in the family, right? And, and uh, my mic can hire you a nice cream. Myers up all night for it. But then we went to the Flames game on New Year's Eve, which is pretty cool. They won, and then they set off some fireworks right on the ice. Really cool and interesting. I've never seen it before. Wow. Pretty fun. All right. So where do we want to start, guys? Is there anything that came to your attention over the course of the holidays or any data that you've seen on what might happen in 2024 with the industry that you feel like we should talk about? That is actually something I'm super excited about talking about. And it's something I've been having a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks over. I've already picked Scott's brain to say, hey, I have an intuition. What do you think about this? But And then I had another conversation yesterday. And it's interesting to see how 2024 is shaping up. I just started having this intuition about 2024 a few weeks ago where I was thinking that there's a lot of things that I perceive that are happening that I think could impact camping and whether people camp or not. But I had nothing to back it up, nothing statistical. I couldn't tell you, yes, this, this does impact. Of that's course, fine. that's how I live my entire life, Sandy. It's fine. I just yeah. throw in the show and I say and, things. Exactly. So I actually called Scott and said, hey, do you think this has anything? Is this relevant? Does it have anything to do with it? And then I actually confirmed through a second person who's doing some research and everybody was saying they were feeling the same thing. And I, I think it's a really good thing. RVTI, I guess the, I think you posted it on Modern Campground, RVIA. I think you posted it on Modern Campground, Brian, about they're actually talking about increased sales next year, anywhere between 8, 13%. Increased sales on the what? Which year? On rigs. So the RBC, I'm asking like increase over 2022, 21 or 19 or. I didn't read the whole thing, but I did see that unit sales over last year is what I believe we're talking about. And shocked if that happens. Right. It's interesting because then I read an, an opposing article that said that while RBIA was saying they were focusing on growth or they were predicting growth. Some of the actual manufacturers were saying they weren't necessarily seeing that. But more the thing that I or I think is very interesting is that I think when people are stressed and when a lot of things are going on, the natural inclination is I want to get outdoors, I want to get away, I want to escape. And it doesn't include buying a four hundred thousand dollar rig. And probably you're right. It doesn't necessarily indicate that, but for us primarily with focusing on campgrounds, I think we have the potential of seeing another really good year with potentially some additional growth because I do think I next year that. got to be a volatile year. We've got unrest going on in our cities where people want to just get away and not have to listen to the stuff that's going on. We've got an election coming up, which I'm already bored out of my mind with, and I just want to get it over with. So there's all different kinds of things that are going on that I feel are still going to encourage people to get out and camp. I think that we're going to still see a little bit of an increase. I think we're going to see some normalization around rates and some relaxation on policies and, and cancellation policy. But, and, but I do think we're shaping up to have some growth. And I think forewarned is very good. And I think if we go into it, understanding that, hey, we could potentially see another uptick, then we're prepared for that. If we don't, but if we don't prepare for potential growth, especially on the supplier side of things, then, then we are in trouble. And yeah, so I think we're seeing some really good opportunities. I also was checking in with some of our other technology partners and we really are seeing um, a lot of what I call conversions of people who bought really during COVID, overpaid for them, so they were upside down, couldn't trade them. 
And we worked with a couple of the other uh, companies to give them a mathematical formula on what they could do with the numbers to bring it back in alignment with being traded. And we're seeing a significant number of people really take advantage of that and dealers who are now actually recommending and telling them how to do this, which we got a lot of kickback on at first. So I think we're shaping up to be in, better, in a better place in 2024 than we might think. Okay, before we get to smart people who are Scott and Mike, actually, like I'm obviously the RV industry, right, Sandy? Huh? Or we get to the people who know the research and that actually own the yeah. RV too. Here's some more BS for you that I think. I think we're going to not back by research, right? Yeah, it's whatever. I think, what, I think we're going to have a great camping season. I'm not worried at all about the industry and people going out and going to RV resorts and glamping and stuff like that. What I am worried about are the people who have spent the last five or six years self-inflicting some wounds on themselves because they felt they didn't need to do marketing. And they were right for the most part. They didn't need to do a lot of marketing. And so I think there's going to be less people camping this year, generally speaking, and you're not going to be able to just fill up your park by opening it. But I think that if you're able to do the fundamental basics of marketing, website design, SEO, then I think you're going to be fine. And mm -hmm. I think there's going to be plenty of people who are, again, hybrid RV, tent, cabin, glamping, all those people. I think there's going to be enough to fill out the parks that, again, can master those few fundamental things. And then briefly on the RV industry, and I probably shouldn't say this, I'm going to make somebody irritated, but I fully believe, I don't think that the industry, the RV industry will ever sell more rigs than they did in 2019 in a year, forever. I really genuinely believe that because of the decline of people who, like there's a switch of people from RVing to glamping. There is, and I know how controversial this is, and that's fine. I'm willing to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe based on what I've seen and heard and talked to them. This is not as far in depth as you are, Sandy, right? But there's too many people peeling off who could go glamping in, in cabins. There's too much of this younger demographic coming in that live in major cities like Toronto that are so diverse as far as populations, young and old and women, male and female and black, white, Asian, all that kind of stuff who don't have a place to store a rig. So you're not only talking about buying a four hundred dollars to $600,000 rig, but you have to pay for storage. Figure out where it's going to go. It's got to be outside of the city. It's got to, there's a lot of expenses that come along with that. And I think there's just a lower barrier entry in camping and other avenues. Again, I don't think camping is in trouble. Well, I think that RVing specifically and narrowly is not going to have a skyrocket year like it did in 2022 ever again. People. Two comments on what you say, but I don't want to dominate. Scott and Mike, do you guys have something to say before I rush in? Mine is slightly, is slightly different. So if you want to finish that, please feel free. Because I feel like what I'm going to say relates to Mike's experience as well. First of all, I probably already talked to over 200 parks in the last quarter of last year as far about marketing. And I do believe that a lot of them are afraid because... They didn't do any marketing because they didn't need to. And now they're trying to find people to help them with marketing. And there's just no people out there. We have a shortage of good marketers. And when I, and the difference, I have 26 of them working for me. That's just like not marketers, good marketers. And oh, wait. I just said I have 26 people working for me. And you said not marketers. You're awesome. I love what you do, Brian. You are in that good. Well, you don't love my 26 people. No, I do love your 26 people. Oh when I goodness. say you, I'm talking about your company. But so it's interesting oh that a lot of people move towards work in our industry and they're not getting the results they need. And so that's where I think it's been very difficult is we need more good marketing people and we need you to grow more, Brian, because we do need people that know our industry, I personally believe. The second thing, when you were talking about the industry and sales, I don't know if we could do better than we did 2019, specifically because of what happened with the pandemic and all that afterwards. One of the things I do know is that growth highlighted a lot of issues inside the industry as a whole. And that group that bought or a fickle group because they're not necessarily the people that they didn't buy it camping. They bought a camper because they wanted to escape COVID. And so everything, the expectations they set are very high. 
And it was very hard for us to reach those expectations with the supply chain the way it was. So we've got a lot of enhancing we need to do in the next year to try and reach that level again. And that, to me, is one of the barriers. But those are my comments. And one thing I think will contribute to this discussion we're about to have, too, is I just, when I say self-inflicted wounds, I don't just mean marketing. Like, I was on the phone with a guy yesterday who whose self-inflicted wound was he hired a manager and didn't pay attention to what they were doing. And she was talking to them on the phone and saying, we're full all the time. And he was at 10% occupancy. She didn't want to do any work, right? But he wasn't paying attention. He wasn't as hands-on as he needed to be because he just assumed, right? And so there's all kinds of different self-inflicted wounds other than just marketing. Go ahead, Scott. Mike, take it wherever you want. I was just going to say that they kind of taking that global look again, that where you started about the year ahead, if there's anything interesting that's out there. And one, one of the things that we've been looking at is the impact of external events, major upheaval, stuff like that. And one of the easiest things for us to look at is election years. And in the hotel industry, they've actually done a lot of this research in the past and looking forward. And what we see typically in an election year is that luxury travel decline, yeah. usually but seven, eight, seven, eight percent. But no one has really done that analysis on the outdoors, except I went because I can get historical information from the National Park Service. And I looked at every year of park visitation from 1960 present. And I looked at the election years. And what happens is visits to the national parks increased by about a third in the year preceding the election okay. and stay consistent at that level, low down slightly in the year after. And overall it's, it's incredibly consistent by millions of, of unique visitors. It's happened every election cycle since 1960. What, what that tells me is that if you're a high end purveyor of outdoor hospitality, you probably want to look at your marketing a little bit more intensely and see what messaging you're doing. Because the reason this happened is in an election year, we all know, Sandy already said it, people get sick of it, it's stressful, and they go and they look at the outdoors to relieve that stress and vacations. So if I was a, an owner or manager at a higher-end resort, glamping, I would look at my messaging. And I would say, you know what, I need to, I might need to change it up a little bit because I could take a little bit of a hit this year because people pull back. They want a little bit more of an outdoor experience. They want to relax. They want to be, have that kind of relief. They're tense. All it takes is a little bit of tension to, to suppress behavior. I'm sorry, just to clarify. So you're saying luxury RV travelers will find in their willing, but they, where are they going? They're going to the national park instead of a luxury RV resort or? That no, that they're separate there. When I say luxury travel, stay at luxury resorts, high end. Okay. All right. Because we don't have it that history for RV resort. I'm just I'm making showing this relationship. Just in well, no, I was just half following you. I just wanted Mike owns several luxury RV resorts, right? And so I just that's why I said what I said would relate to, to yeah to Mike probably a little bit more because that's and, and that's the pattern. It's it's fairly consistent. I actually have that the national park. Data if anyone ever wants to look at. Cool. Maybe we can do a, a deeper dive in it too, but yeah, that's definitely interesting. Mike, you have anything? Yeah. No, I, I think there's a lot to unpack. There was like five different topics in that, that whole discussion. I think probably just show ones from Scott and Sandy first before you touch mine. I like B, you said this is probably BS. And I think BS means beyond Cyril, I think is what is what that. Release to um, means I have no data like to back up anything on yeah. beyond Searle. And so I, I think a few things. If we start with kind of what does 2024 look like? Um I am on the line of the industry is going to continue to show a little bit of decline in 24, but that's relative, right? If we look at pre-COVID numbers, the numbers will still be up in 24. But if you look at it versus 23, 22, 21. And not to mention, and the hotel business experienced this in numerous cycles, is when there's these booms, there's considerable supply that comes into the market and the industry has to absorb the supply. And that's going to dilute some of the data. So while visitations and travelers may be up, if you look at national occupancy, et cetera, 
that has to go through a year or two of that cyclical behavior to absorb all the new sites that are going to come in. And that's not just RV, but it's also storage and some of the other related industries that's going to have this exact same trend that's going to it. And if you look at Q3 and Q4 and look at some of the, and it's interesting because Scott can look at a lot of the national and park data, and then CamSpot looks at a lot of the private data. But if you combine the two, they get a better picture of kind of what, because they're two different travelers and two different segments. And I think Q1 and Q2 are going to be a real indicator for what the year is going to be. And I like to say a lot of our parks are in the snowbirdy destination. So we have a better glimpse than a lot of these, the majority of the industry that is in summer travel, because we're going to see it first. So we'll know what the year is going to bring after Q1. So we are cautiously optimistic. We certainly did not budget eight to 10 to 12% up year on year. But to your point, I think going to the next topic is marketing. And I think if anybody's looking for a superior marketer, they should look at Insider Perks. Their 26 people are amazing. So I, I think that's, they, and they can take as much business as anybody wants to give them. Please reach out to Insider Perks if you need marketing. But I, I think that's where the real hole is. When I used to work at some of the hotels, we would compete against the 900 pound gorilla, right? The convention hotel that just got the business because, right? Their phone rang. We always used to say our phone would never ring unless somebody was calling us back. <laughs> and when you're in those situations, you have to outwork, outsmart, outhustle, outthink all your competitors. And I think while there's this normalization and stabilization of all the new supply and the supply that's coming in is far more sophisticated and educated. And that's a general statement. I don't mean that negatively than what the historical industry has been. So they're coming in with marketing strategies and the right amenities, and they've done their research and to not market and to not understand how to go after clients and understand your mix may change, whether it's seasonal versus transit or how much seasonal you took last year versus transient was to, I think, a properties deficit. So they absolutely have to look at their marketing spend and marketing is a lot of things. It's not just digital. It's also obviously collateral and, and media and et cetera, et cetera. Your third point about, can I touch you know, and you made it mine. Will I distract you or what's that? Did I touch on that briefly or will, will I distract you from your third point? Oh, yeah, I remember my third point. Um, I don't have any whiskey. I'm good. Really, like you're right. There are a lot of new people coming in this industry. We've had a lot of conversations with people, but we've had people come in with misconceptions, like Sandy was saying too, about the RV industry, both either from a marketing firm or from an ownership standpoint. I've talked to probably three people in the last three weeks that are coming into this industry, developing brand new RV resorts and have come from a branding background of a larger corporation. And their sole entire focus, the entire call they talk to us is on their logo and colors and font. Cool. Right. But so I don't, so just because they're coming in with the marketing background doesn't necessarily mean it's the right marketing background for our industry. And that's where the education comes in as well. I think as we continue to talk about, and there's new players into the industry that are different than what has been before. And to your right, a lot of the phone calls we field are from different vertical asset types. There are from you know, other industries like multifamily or hospitality, and they're smart in the real estate world, but maybe they don't understand the RV or outdoor hospitality world. And they know that. And to your point about the, the, the glamping, I am spot on. It doesn't mean people are not going to RV. Of course they are. But the glamping is the, if you look at all the growth indicators, triple digit growth in glamping and will remain to be double digit growth, I think, going forward. And that's a lot of the conversations we're having with folks is, you know, if you don't have glamping units on your plan, you need to. It drives IRR, it drives margin, it drives your cachet, it drives your renown, and you can make it work within an RV property. It doesn't have to be the five RV spots that are sitting on the edge of the Grand Canyon overlooking the stars at $500 a pop, you can make it work into your RV park as well. And many of them are including that in their, their plans and performas and development construction. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you said, Brian. And I think we've got to be prepared to be multi-tiered in our knowledge and education about how we approach our deliverables and to make sure we're maximizing all the revenue opportunities. Timing is everything, right? In, in all aspects, realizing that this clamping trend, like you're saying, is going up is timing and timing works negatively against you too, right? I talked to a, a brilliant gentleman on December 26th. He booked on Christmas day because he was from Israel starting a glamping company over there. Brilliant guy. They have lots of huge plans. They have tons of capital behind them. But again, like we were talking about, right? Maybe not the best time to try to convince Americans to come to Israel. Beautiful country. Maybe wait a couple months, right? So. Yeah, I think a lot of that is identifying the trends and, and research and data that Scott's pulling out and KOA and CampBot and all this kind of people. But 
I, I do think too that when we come to the conversations of glamping versus camping, that there's going to have to be some real strategic decisions and some direction. Because I think to put a glamping unit inside of a campground, it's absolutely on a great decision because you're always going to have people who are camping that has somebody in their family who may not have a camper they want to glamp. Or somebody would not know that camping, but because they saw it when they were camping, they may try it. Versus some of the locations that are set up as strictly all glamping sites or the glamping that we're seeing happening, which is really most of the camping, is, which is where private individuals have glamping units on private land. I did not realize that the glamping show this year, that was most of the glamping market is still in individuals having glamping units on their, their land. I think they're two completely different things. I think they're two completely different markets that happen to cross over occasionally. I glamp occasionally, but I also have a huge investment in my RV. So you're not going to get me more than I RV. People who don't have that huge investment already, you right. probably are going to have an easier path. Absolutely. So therein, how the industry as a whole is going to have to still look at how do they steal those people that are glamping and pull them into um, yeah, you don't need to though. I, like, to I think it's all. Things. I think it's all camping. It is. It's the same. You don't need to steal anything. You elaborate and Unless collect you're the market manufacturer, and then maybe you do. But if you're a man, I'm talking about the manufacturing side. They're going to have to figure out how to get those people that are glamping to buy the unit into the camping world. But I also think we still have a lot of work to do just on our language because there's still a lot of people who believe that glamping was what I do. I, I kill in this rig and they call me a glamper. Everybody's and, going camping. Yeah. Solve. No, I don't really consider like some of the glamping units that I've stayed in and saying, I don't consider that camping. But that's like it's, all due respect. You're right. But you also, it's just an opinion, right? Yeah. yeah but it's, you can't it's, be wrong because I'm not saying I'm right either. Right. I'm just saying that's my opinion. It's a unique staying experience. In fact, most of the glamping that I've done, I equate it more with the Airbnb experience staying in somebody's home than I do camping. In general, we, we would take, and, and how we define it in our work, because we have to define it for people because for exactly the reasons you're talking about right now, is our umbrella is camping. And then underneath that, we segmented into glamping, RVing, being backcountry camping, and so on. But camping still remains that umbrella that we use in our work anyway as, as a way to, to bring people in. But yeah, there, there are all those sectors within there. That um, To be fair, one of the large larger problems, problems with camping generally is that a lot of people view it as lower end. Generally speaking, outside of the industry. I would say new to, new to the industry, the answer to that is yes. And I think what we're dealing with and what we'll continue to dealing with is all the new people to outdoor hospitality over the several years. Uh, Sandy mentioned language, but this is going to take years for what that common lingo is going to be um, because you've got a couple of different segments that are all combining together. You got the people who've been camping or RVing for 30, 40 years, the parks that have been in existence for 30, 40 years, and you got the new ones who are new to it. And then you got folks who are camping and, and they're all your point, defining it differently because they're not sure, right? If you ask people what glamping is, you'll get five different definitions. Right. And so our job as owners, our job as managers, our job as vendors, our job as partners is to be inclusive, right? And so how do we figure out how to get all the different segments and help them and educate them and have them stay in our properties and buy our products, et cetera. And that's through translation. And it can't be naive to think that it's just because you said something 20 years ago is going to be the same thing, or just because I said something 20, and I don't mean this towards anybody, just in general, because the terms mean different things to different people, and especially with the new travelers. I think things like this, the show we're doing, Scott's work, as it becomes more seminal, that will help. But I think ultimately it still has to be the camping branch, and then there's luxury camping, and there's whatever. You want to take glamping and branch it off in seven different directions, but at the top, I still think it has to be camping. Or outdoor hospitality, right? Because oh, yeah. outdoor hospitality is really the top. And then there's all the different offshoots of it. Because it isn't just, you know, if you talk to 10 different park owners, right? If you talk to a Jellystone owner, 
a lot of them are going to say they're in the entertainment business, right? If you talk to the franchise, that's their, their deliverable is they're in the entertainment business. It's still after hospitality, they're driving their revenue. So it, they're all under the large umbrella, <laughs> different than the hospitality. Under hospitality is hotels and restaurants and under hotels could be full service, select service, resort. And I think that's where we're heading. And I, and I guess I think I should clarify in saying, I believe it's all outdoor hospitality from a public consumer perspective. I think the messaging for camping is far easier than ever will be to, to create what is basically a newish term, outdoor hospitality, just like glamping, right? Everybody knows camping. Everybody searches for camping. We can see the Google and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's just an easier. But the people who are looking for those RV share opportunities, the rentals and the ones who are looking for glamping, they may not necessarily be searching for camping, right? Cause to your oh, point earlier. But there's their, their impression of camping underneath it versus above it for outdoor hospitality is what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, I think it's different because to your point, I think camping, to, especially to the layman. Yes, camping. Camps Brian Cyril. Camping is firewood and a tent in the woods. Exactly. Right? I was going to say there's, and one of our, part of our audience mentioned this too. To me, camping, every when I hear camping, I think of a tent. When I think of RVing, I think of where I go in my leg. Because I'm so old school, I grew up camping and camping was pitching a tent with a fire somewhere. What I found really interesting too, though, was on this trip from Washington to Georgia, taking the long route, we stayed in 10 different campgrounds. Two of those campgrounds were still, had no online presence, no website. You, when you got there, there was a thing that said, pick your site, put $20 in the envelope. And what these parks, I'm telling you, it was right off the interstate. I knew that based on the searches and doing some of the things and I could look at the group, well, that there were people looking for campgrounds in the area. And yet, no presence whatsoever. And this was a great Louisiana park. Flat, get into and it blows me away. I don't know what the current uh, ratio is, but we still have a ton of really good parts that are not known because they're not on the web anywhere. Not, and we need those spaces. We need to know who they are. So, of course, yeah, if, if you're if you're not one to ten on Google search results, you don't exist. If you don't have a website or a Google business listing, you really don't exist. Except for I find you, but. That's only because that's the gang for me. But yeah, there's so many parks that show up for their keywords that are like 12. You don't exist. That's cool that you're 12, but you literally don't exist. No one's going to page two of Google. So anyway, where else are we going, guys? But anyway, it was interesting that 20% of the parks I stayed in have no digital presence whatsoever. Still 20%. I would be, I would not be surprised if you threw out like a 40% of small businesses in general have a terrible internet presence, maybe higher because you know what you know, right? There are a lot of really brilliant, these are brilliant campground owners and operators and operating a campground, but operations doesn't necessarily extend the marketing. Right. It's not a, it's not only that, it's to your point, if they've always been full or if they haven't had to. Why would you have a spender? Why would you? And if this has been going for 10 or 15 years, why would, you know, if you've been using a rotary phone and it works, why would you go to a cell phone only because the rotary phone is discontinued, right? And I think that's the situation. And we're, we were looking at a campground in the Northwest that was exactly that. They had a great reputation and a great park and they got dated and old and their numbers continued to decline. And we're looking at the performance from an acquisition standpoint and their marketing dollars are like under 10,000 bucks, right? And you're like, and no kidding, right? They have not kept up. And, and as more supply has come in and they degraded their reputation. So it is a big need. And that's the session I spoke at Arvik is about branding and marketing and sorry, oh, hi, pardon me. Exactly. Many people a dollar every time you say Arvik, just so you know. And that's got five bucks to my name on given or left. I'm not sure. <laughs> but go, I'm sorry, go ahead. Did I distract? I, I no, that was, that was it. They just, you know. Did you ever people's make a third point, by the way? Yeah. Or did we never get back to that? No, it was the glamping. I agree with you that, that the glamping is going to continue to expand. And existing campsites are going to continue to look at converting some of their spots to glamping. Yeah. There's almost, I think it's really just that it, we talk about data so much on this show, right? 
and Scott's into it and, and Mike's into it and Sandy's into it and, and lots of people that are watching this show are into it too. But I think that's just the fundamental gap is this guy I was talking to a couple days ago who I was telling you had the problem with the manager or whatever else. Like he was talking to me about, I really need help with SEO. It's terrible. And we looked him up on SEO and he's been, a, he's been there for 15, 16 years, right? And he's ranking fifth and sixth and fourth for his keywords without doing anything. And so he's ranking high for the exact market that he's already trying to get. So that's not his problem. Like, sure, he could expand that. He could get better, whatever, right? But he doesn't even know. He didn't even have any idea where he was ranking or what keywords he was showing up for or anything like that. And that basic fundamental, like, where do I start? Because it's not the same answer for everybody. It's something that people need to invest in. Yeah. Then I think that's the difference between small parks and large parks, right? And sometimes the small parks, again, if they've been doing the same thing for years, they don't need to know. And it's education, right? And hopefully the national and state associations are providing the educational opportunities. I know through Modern Campground, you guys provide your tips and hot tricks. And we're doing a session at Carvick, you know, the Carolinas on third-party management at one CRS. What's that? You're doing a session where? Carvick, the North what? and South Carolina. What's that? It what? Not Arvick. No, it's called Carvick. It's not Kohai. You owe me a buck. It's called Kohai. It's not Kohai yet. Yeah, but it's exactly that, right? How do you operate and market and leverage your property for maximization? So there just needs to be more education. And Sandy uh -huh. continues to, you know, champion this education of parks, large or small to learn and to improve. Yeah, I don't, I wish I had an answer for it. Like, I wish I had a magic bullet because obviously I'd sit here and talk on the phone to every single person I can who wants to listen if I had the time and some I do, right? But I don't know what that mass education answer is because it doesn't seem to be the, the classes at the conventions. Certainly they're good, right? They're better than nothing. But that doesn't seem to be reaching people at the volume and scale that we need it to. And I think one of the biggest problems, and, and it was really very apparent this past year at all the different conferences, is that we've had so many new people come into the market that we really need two tracks on education. Because you've got a lot of brand new people that they may be coming from another industry and they really don't get our industry. And so we've got, they need the 101 session. And then you've got the people that have been doing this a long time. Things are changing. There's new emerging trends and they know about that. And they're not getting that. We're not meeting the educational needs. Um, I do believe 2024 is going to be the year for technology. There's quite a few things coming out um, that I think are going to start to solve some of this. But I don't think they will completely take place of actual in-person marketing, in-person networking and learning. I don't think they need to, I don't think they need to replace it at all. I think they need to supplement. That's what I mean. It needs to be divided and expanded. Yeah. It's too much one track and it, it's not, it's too much for the newbies and it's too little for the season. All right. I got to mention our sponsor because everybody's yelling at me in the private chat. It wasn't Jefferson whiskey. Anyway, our sponsor this this month is Fireside Accounting, which actually, I feel like I can say this. And if I can't say this, then I'm sorry, Scott Booz. But Fireside Accounting is actually the accounting arm. Lindsay Boos owns it of Horizon Outdoor Hospitality. They're actually going to combine entities together. So this is actually the last month that Fireside Accounting is hosting episode one or sponsoring episode one of the show. I feel like maybe I'm helping Scott by giving him a plug here. But so Fireside Accounting is great. They've been around for a long time. Lindsay Boos and her team doing all kinds of great things specific to the outdoor hospitality industry, campgrounds, RV parks, no those deductions and things like that. So her team is fantastic. But they're going to be more closely integrated with Horizon Outdoor Hospitality going forward. Excited to see that happen and to see Horizon continue to evolve. Thank you to our sponsor, Lindsay, and perhaps Lindsay and Scott. I don't know how that works. And if I gave away a big speaker, I'm sorry, but they didn't tell me. Okay. What do we got? Where are we at? That's it. I just, the sponsor killed the whole vibe. Just lost the train. Yeah. One of the other things I've been really looking at, and Scott alluded to it in one of his comments earlier, was it flows together, was events. And I believe that's going to be something that we see a growing trend for. It's doing events inside your park and hosting different kinds of events. But I read an article, and I can't remember where it came from now, but it was funny because it talked about 
the how the hospitality industry leads and the, the RV outdoor hospitality industry kinds of follows. And it was bringing in the idea of the cruise work. Cruise industry started out with these flat rate events. Like come cruise with us and it covers everything. It covers your food, your alcohol, your cabin, very almost everything except for a few ancillary things are covered. And they're saying that more and more than of the larger yeah, larger campgrounds beginning to do some of this. They're bundling things together. And I, that's a great idea moving into 2024 because I've already recommended to quite a few of my part to start doing some of these bundled weekends. And what they're finding is these people will pay X amount a month for, for however many months they're booking in advance, whether it's 12 or 10 or 15, it gets divided. They pay it. And then if they have a good time, then they'll resign for next year for the next same thing. And so they they retain these people coming and they also get this recurring revenue every month. They're also not discounting their rate, your cost for food or whatever you're providing. Now, not every campground can do that at a huge level, but every campground can do it at some level. And so I think that's along with events, that's going to become a big trend in 2024. Okay, let's pivot to that, right? What are trends in 2024 now? That's an interesting topic. Where do I mean, we think? Uh, there's, I could talk about this all day, and we're, but I, there's a couple well, things. I mean, go ahead. Trends. We got 15 minutes. Everybody else can drop off. And if you want to stay on, I mean, we're, we're looking into a lot of you know, new trends and things we're looking at in the coming year. We've, we're the hospitality industry overall, the um, hotel industry and resorts. I've already done some research in this area. We've been looking at what they're doing to see how much of this spills over. But one of the things I'm personally, I, I always, well, what I personally kind of see things that start to pop up that I feel could be relevant is look for the convenience traveler at a higher rate this year than we've seen previously. We know that they're already out there. We know that exists. But in some of the work that we've done to look at why people are changing behaviors a little bit. Convenience comes in a lot. Last year, we saw a lot of road tripping. I'll use this as an example. People wanted to take road trips. They wanted to take long road trips. They'll do all these things. But in many cases, they didn't include camping in the road trip. And the reason for that was convenience. They just want to stop, go. They want to be, have, be less involved. I feel like this, and we did some ethnographies, by the way, too, a, a while back with families. I seen at campgrounds and we, t- we did, we followed the whole path of when them prepping for their trip all the way to coming home. We had them do videos, pictures, whatever. And the utter chaos that's involved is unbelievable. And you can see why most people might not go out quite often and they are seeking anything that, that gives them a more convenient experience. And I feel like right now where we're at, we start like Larry on some of these other issues that we've been talking about. And I feel like, I don't know, the year of the convenience camper. Yes. Okay, so yes. I agree with you. But the problem is, is that convenience has always yeah. been there throughout history across all demographics sure. and everything else. And it will always trump everything else. Always. Convenience. Ease of use. How easy can I pull into the site? How close is it to the highway? How, where is it near to where I want to go and where I want to stay? And convenience is everything from technology to ease of use to online websites to using it to literally every facet of society. Convenience will always trump everything, which is why I'm a big proponent of technology and ease of use, right? And I think this is a big part of why AI is going to see just batch of fast adoption, especially with trip planning, as, start, as you've already seen, is it's convenient. Well, so, really, I agree. And one of the solutions, that's the issue. That's, I guess that's what I've tried to get at here, is what right. does the industry provide in terms of solutions? I think there's a lot of creativity and innovation that needs to still occur. Yes. Deal with that. But we also need to do the messaging behind why it's convenient too. And if, if you, it's really the two different types of uh, campers as well, because if you've got your power campers, people that camp at least once a month, they're out all the time. We keep our campers stocked. We have clothes in there, our plates are in there, there's food in there. When we just walk in our camper and go versus the camper that may only camp times a year, 
They have to load it, load every single time. That's not convenient. If I had to lo load this thing every time, I probably wouldn't count. But I tell you, during part of the time on this last trip, we were having mm -hmm. to make hotel uh, stays. It was horrible. I was complaining so bad just because I had to take my suitcase out of the car into the hotel. I was like, I can't stand this. I just want my house back. So uh, that is a part of it is how often are you going to camp? And I think her camp more and set up so that they can keep it loaded. It encourages more camping, but it also makes it more convenient. So does glamping. Not to start a rabbit hole, but <laughs> no, it does. If glamping is, is it's a big factor in why people $400,000 for an extra closet. Yeah. And I guess kind of to, to wrap up that point is that there's in the market right now among our universe of potential guests, there are more people who want that low maintenance experience. They want greater convenience and they're looking for us in the industry to provide that level of convenience to them. It's just more that kind of that you know you go back a long time ago camping that the inconvenience was part of it you packed everything up oh, it's less inconvenient because as we go through we figure things out and we make them more convenient as right. a society we will continue to do that so by its very nature well, being yeah. forty fifty years ago we had less knowledge than we did to make things as convenient as they are today or less technology or less whatever so and I think it's it's also understanding your demographic. And at Ojai, New Book did an excellent session, Innovator Panel, and they obviously highlighted some trends and the baby boomers used to be the number one segment, and now it's become very diverse and it's going to quickly move towards the Gen Xers, Millennials, and then soon the Gen Zers. But if you look at the Gen Xers and the Millennials, and clearly the Gen Zers, technology, I want an online check-in experience, right? Maybe I don't even have to talk to anybody at the front desk. I want to be able to pull into my site and maybe those directions using an online app. I want to be able to cancel and change my reservation. And so the PMS companies are having to evolve quickly to a lot of these trends, whether it's the new technology that the properties are demanding that need to be integrated with the PMS systems, whether it's the guest experience that they need to modernize. And I think those are the trends that as we continue to head in 24 and 25, absolutely need to be simplified and acknowledged. And so the properties that aren't leveraging technology, you're going to be left behind, whether it's the texting or like you said, whether it's the AI integration and chatbots or whether it's online check-in, all those things have to happen. Or these influx, which is now more than 50% of the travelers will choose to stay somewhere else where it's easier or convenient, as you say. Yeah. Convenience wins everything. Okay. So I want to give the last couple minutes of the show to Scott, because I told him I would. To talk about, so we'll go to this, we delayed it a couple months. This year, we're going to launch our MC Hospitality Highlights that we talked about and announced previously. And the first one we're going to do is focused on guest reviews. And so we did a study of how many reviews? 70,000 plus? Over 70, five plus years. We'll analyze this report after it comes out, probably next week, if we can get our ducks in a row and together. But briefly, do you want to touch on some of the highlights that you found throughout, Scott? And then we'll go deep dive next month. But Sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it was a real interesting uh, exercise to, to go through. It's something that I've been interested in for a while. We've been in market research comments are sometimes the bane of our existence. So we decided to, let's turn the tables on this and take a look and dive into what people say. And as has been said so, several times already today, words matter. The words people use matter a lot. And for us in going through all this and looking at trying to quantitate, quant look at quantify, so uh, easy for me to say. Some of the things that we found was, was, it was a fascinating exercise going through what is typically qualitative information, which is what people say in context and tying that to the rate and the importance of that. And in, in this record, I feel like what what you'll be able to see is for someone who is a provider of outdoor hospitality, that the words people use, how important those are and how they view their experience. Like overall, the words that someone uses, if you're talking to that guest, 
whether it's before or after the stage, so especially after the words that they, they use when they speak to you, just how important that is and how were the providers of outdoor hospitality, the words they use and how those words are used in their positioning, how important those will be. And that's when we get into the weeds a bit on this, probably in the weeds more than a lot of people will view. <laughs> It, lo- it is a long report. We were dealing with it with the design, right? Yeah. A lot longer than I thought. That but that's okay. Like, I think in part of what we're going to do for everybody who, who is new to MC Hospitality Highlights is we're going to give you that long report if you want to read it. We're also going to cut it down into bite-sized pieces on social, on different podcasts, on things like that, right? So you can consume it in different means and methods and to the point that you want to consume it at. Because we understand that everybody is the... 20 page research report person, but it is, it was very interesting to read some of that stuff and I'm still going through it, but design teams finalizing it right now. Yeah. I, I think there's something in there for, for anyone who works in hospitality. I feel like there's at least something in there that you're going to look at and you're either going to probably going to nod your head in agreement with, and, or at least it'll make you think about it a little bit more. And who knows, maybe you'll disagree with some of it, but um, that's okay too. I accept all that. Just reach out to Brian at any point if you have those on. <laughs> no, I actually invite people to reach out to me all the time. I th- I think it'll be a, a conversation starter. I really. For sure. And, I, and again, we call it MC Hospitality Highlights. Obviously, none of it's possible without Camp Consulting Group and Scott and all the great things that they're doing, both as part of that and KOA and all the other things they do at Consulting for Parks. So even though you're not a sponsor of the show, I should say that reach out to Scott. If you're interested. I wear my shirt. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Look, we'll dive next next show. Once we get one of these under our belts and it's out in the public, has had a chance to consume it. We'll dive into some of the exact findings that we have. That was really high level, potentially on purpose. You guys will have this PDF in your hands. You'll have it statistics being posted on social for modern campground and we'll figure out some other ways to disseminate it and things like that. But we're excited to, to see where this goes. And we've already got what, two more that are already being worked on. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think one's done already for February's done already, isn't it? You're pretty close. Not this We're time. pretty close. We're pretty close. We're wrapping it up. But yeah. Cool. Anything you guys think we should report on? Andy, like, or analyze for 2024? You'd like to see? I don't have anything. You're muted, Mike. Can't hear you. I'm not sure I understand what your deliverable is yet or what you can do until I see the fresh report to weigh in on what else I'd like to see. What would you say? I'm listening to you. What would you say our overall goal would be, Scott? Because we've talked about this, right? Versus what KOA is predicting. I think our goal here is to look at some other and slash existing data sources, dig into those and provide information from a different point of view than what people may um, have now to take a deeper dive into some of this information. The work that we do with KOA, the campaign and outdoor hospitality report, is done. It's a bottom-up approach. It's mostly attitudinal stuff. We ask people questions about their behavior, intentions, all those things. This is more of looking at actual behaviors, things that we, information we have, data we get from these other sources, integrating that with some and complementing some of it as well. For example, the next report, we're going to complement with some interviews and stuff like that on the topic because we felt like that would really prop up some of the, the other stuff that we're seeing. Yeah. So instead of from a statistic, is it fair to say, instead of from a statistical, this is what the camper feels and camper thinks and camper is doing or of a data analysis of things that we feel are important to the owners of outdoor hospitality accommodation, right. not the camping, the stats aren't, of course they are. Right. But we're not doing something for trying to well, copy. It's a different audience from point of view of a different audience. So anyway, you can let us know then next month. No, there's no pressure. I give him my BS opinion. Ryan Searle, that's what it is. It's my <laughs> I find you have something else that we need to do for 2024, Brian, and it goes on your plate. And I don't know anybody who's been more of a deeper dive and who's more passionate about AI and how we use it in our industry. And I get asked literally on every single day in some conversation with the campground, what do you think about AI? What should we be doing? Is it dangerous? And I always tell them, go talk to Brian Searle. 
<laughs> he's the one that I know that knows the most about it. But I think it would be really interesting if you have an AI tip of the week or an AI tip of, tip of the month or something like that, because I think people are looking for simple ways to at least get started or review using AI for their campground. So I know this isn't what you mean, and I and I agree with that. We've ac I've actually thought about that before, but I had enough time. And Mike, thank you, I appreciate it for being here. I think that's something we thought about doing. It's it's only a restriction on basically my time of being able to do that. Like we've, we've even talked about, I talked about doing it once a week or once every two weeks because the separate just LinkedIn Live super quick to talk about AI and stuff. But I think that it's really interesting where, and Mike distracted me a little bit from my thoughts. So I'm trying to cover it quickly and frantically in my head, even though I look calm on the screen as I completely distract you. I, I think, what were you, what was your point? Andy? briefly summarize it. Just that there's such a desire for information and still such a fear uh, uh, about it. Then I feel like somebody needs to start covering that and giving some tips. And I certainly don't feel qualified to do that. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to me like the way people perceive it. And I don't know that there's enough data there. Certainly, I don't think there's enough data. In fact, I know there isn't to do a research report on it yet of anything yeah. of that level. But I think sharing those tips and tricks, I think that there's a lot of uncertainty around it, but you know, it's interesting to me there. I still have conversations with all the people and, and half of them are joking that half of them aren't. But if anybody needs to go, by the way, I'm a little bit specifically. I can talk to myself if I need you. Uh, but briefly, <laughs> There's so many people who will get on the phone and jokingly or seriously be like, this is Terminator. This AI is going to kill us all. And we just need to put that to bed once and for all. You had, need to have a healthy respect for AI. No, AI is not going to kill us all. Think about it. This is Well, like AI is just like a firearm. It's a tool. When a firearm can kill you in the right hands and it can save you in the other. And I started out as a, being afraid of AI. I didn't like it. I didn't want to be involved in it. And you kept trying to win me over. And now I found a lot of ways where I feel like it can really help us in the industry. There's things we're going to be able to do next year because of AI that we could have never done because we couldn't afford. And that's what I was going to talk about. Two things. Okay. That's what I was going to talk about. Thank you. So we, Scott and I have had these conversations and I talked about it on January 20th about not as MC hospitality, completely separate, but you, we've actually, Rod and I were playing around this on a call where we actually use AI to create a fake study, completely fake, right? Totally BS. Brian Searle, right? Right. Uh, of, we had it create and say, create 25 different personalities who typically would stay at, I think it was winter camping, Scott. Yep. Like that. And what would be their pain points and reasons for going and reasons they wouldn't go. And it was really interesting. It came back and filled out all the columns. And so we're not going to call this highlights. We're going to be, if we do anything like this, and it's an if, if we do anything like this, it will be very clearly, this is BS, whatever data, right? But look at how close it actually is to the real thing. And maybe we'll compare and contrast it with data that Scott actually has. But that's really interesting to me to do something like that. Because I think that's one way that AI might be able to give us some granular insights if we take it with a grain of salt into things that we could just never do with an individual research team, no matter how big they are, calling and researching and doing all that stuff, right? Just not scalable to drive down until we can drive into local markets like Phoenix and Arizona and wherever, right? Those are things that I don't think we can do. And right. so I'm excited about that to see where that goes in 2024. And there's probably one other point, but I oh, where we were going, like the crazy, the, I was going to finish the thought before you said the thing about the AI, and where it's going. Everybody who watches the show, including you two, are probably going to think I'm nuts when I say this. AI is very quickly in a couple of years going to be smarter than all of us can as human beings, right? It's going there. So when it gets there and as it continues to grow far beyond that, this is why you don't have to be worried about AI ever killing us because it's going to be the same thing as us and ants. I'm serious. Do you know, and I know you think I'm crazy right now and everybody does and that's fine, but do you know of a single person on planet earth whose sole mission is to annihilate every single ant on the face of the earth? Five-year-old. Every five-year-old with a magnifying glass. I was going to say something like that. But we're realistically succeed, right? <laughs> this is the thing. Like all of the dystopian movies that you see are played off of human beings start wars and AI decides it needs to eliminate them or human beings pollute or human beings whatever. 
AI is going to invent things that if you want to pollute, it's just going to evaporate your trash in five seconds. It's not going to have any reason to kill us. We're going to be inconsequential to what is happening with AI. Yep. That's good. I'm just saying that's the way it's going to be. Yes, you're still crazy, Brian, but that's why we love you. It's all right. All the ideas that have come to pass in the future from anybody who's talked about them were crazy when somebody first uttered them. Again, I'm not saying that's the future I want yeah. or I believe should happen, but I believe that right now we are on track for that future to happen. Anyway, any final yep. thoughts before we go? We're super over five minutes. Yep. Nope. I got to run. It was sure. great being here. See you guys. Tell Appreciate it. We're looking forward to our first MZ hospitality highlights. Thank you so much, Scott, for all the work you do. Sandy for recurring and all the work you do too. Uh, as a guest, Mike, who had to jump off early and we will see you next week for another episode of MZ Fireside Chat. Take care, guys. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of MC Fireside Chats with your host, Brian Searle. Have a suggestion for a show idea? Want your campground or company in a future episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Get your daily dose of news from moderncampground.com. And be sure to join us next week for more insights into the fascinating world of outdoor hospitality.